What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch of Chicago for Chicago by Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. It is Labor Day Friday. We made it to Labor Day. We get that extra three-day weekend, the last one of the summer. It's a little bittersweet, you know what I'm saying? Uh, summer's coming to a close. But that means fall's coming, and that means I get to break out all these fire-ass jackets I bought over the, over the summer when I was out of town. I'm ready for fall fashion, so that's a plus there. The other plus is that football's back and this shit is in full swing if you are a young male or young female or just a football fan period like i am yesterday you watched uh ohio state kick it off with indiana and then you watched the last the last bit of the preseason for the nfl highlighted by obviously the chicago bears because that's the best franchise ever created in the world so i'm gonna break down the Bears, what we got going on there, plus and minuses of the preseason, what we can look forward to, what we can take from it, what we can do going into the regular season. I'm going to break down some Cubs. Those boys are red hot. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Bulls because I love the Bulls and campaigns in the news. So we got to talk about campaign. Um, then I sat down. I watched all of Ohio State. I wasn't impressed. I'm going to break that down. No catch of Chicago. Let's get it. All right, me and the big boy Nick the Quick had some scheduling conflicts, so I was just like, man, fuck it. I'll just rock one by myself. I had tons of shit to talk about coming off of the Bears, finishing up preseason, college football kicking off, the Cubs are rolling, and campaign, like I mentioned before, is in the news. The Bulls made a trade that we'll touch on. So I got a lot of stuff to talk about, so I was like, let me just get in the booth and rip one. Forget it. Let's do it. Um, Let's jump right into it, talking about the Bears. Now, the preseason's over. Thank God. We, we, we caught a little, a, 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 few, a few injuries that I'm worried about, a few things that I'm not so worried about. But the big one, obviously, is Cam Meredith. Um, that's a big blow for us. We'll get into that in a little bit. But the Bears got blown out last night, 25-0. People, I was reading on Twitter, I was reading some different things. People are tweeting out the final score. Who cares? It's game four of the NFL preseason the most irrelevant game of the year. Who cares? Who cares if we got blown out 25-0? Now, something I do want to address is the whole Mitchell Trubisky talk. So if you didn't catch the game, Mitchell Trubisky started the game, and the reason he started is because what was coming out of John Fox's, Fox's mouth and the rest of the boys' coaching staff is that they wanted to see how Mitchell Trubisky acts during – a week where he's going to be the starting quarterback. They want to see how he responds, how he works, how he goes about his business, per se. Now, I have 100% no problem with him going out and getting the start. But he's going to be your number two. Or I think there, there's still conversations about, is he going to be your number two? Is Sanchez going to be the number two? And we'll find out a ton of those questions on Saturday. They shut down, or they cut down, I should say, the NFL rosters, the Bears will be going down from 88 to 53 players all in one day. Usually the NFL has a couple of days to cut people. It's only one day cut this year. Um, Bears will be going from 88 to 53. Now, Trubisky starts the game, doesn't play very much. Connor Shaw comes in, starts doing his thing. Now, the biggest talking point coming out of the night is at the end of the game, Connor Shaw gets nicked up. He runs out of bounds. He kind of gets – well, first off, he got hit. He, he, nothing really happened to him initially. He had a scramble where he got hit, went down, and they pulled him out for precautionary reasons to check on his head. 
the neurosurgeons on the sideline, I guess, flag down. It's a new procedure this year with the league where someone from upstairs can ping down and say, yo, this guy needs to get pulled. So Connor Shaw gets pulled out. And for whatever reason, now I guess I get it. Sanchez hasn't played all night, but the person they, they, they tap on the shoulder to go in is Mitchell Trubisky. Now, he comes out, first couple plays, he does what he's supposed to do. He hands the ball off immediately, and then Connor comes back. Connor then goes out again, and Trubisky is back in the game. It's like at this point, there's like a minute 30, I want to say. Minute and change left. It's, the game is over. It's 25 to 0, but Mitchell Trubisky's in the game. He then comes in. I think it's third down when he comes in, but I know the last two plays of the game, he's dropping back to throw the ball. Now, before that, they ran the ball, and I think there's like a, there's 11 seconds left. It's third and four, 11 seconds left. We run the ball and call a timeout. Now, first red flag is why are we calling a timeout? Let the clock run out. It's 25-0. I don't care if we're in the red zone. Let the clock run out. Let's go home. We have no major injuries on the evening. Connor seems to be okay. Like, let's get out of here. So John Fox and team calls a timeout, which is baffling. Okay, I don't really understand it. That's fine. Calls a timeout. I'm thinking, okay, like, he's uh, maybe he's going to run a draw I mean uh, hand the ball off I don't know I don't know what is his options are number one run the ball 1a run the ball 1a b run the ball so uh, it has to be a run right Trubisky drops back throws an incomplete pass what what is going on okay whatever incomplete pass it was a quick it was a quick release whatever fourth down and four there's like six seconds left in the game Trubisky comes out, throws another pass. He tries to step up in the pocket, make something happen because that's his natural instinct to do, and he gets sacked. Now, why and why would you ever put Mitchell Trubisky in a spot where anything could happen? He could get hurt. He could do this. Anything. If he throws an interception, it still looks bad. If he gets hurt, which is the, the one thing that cannot happen, that's a possibility if you put him in a five-step drop. I just don't understand it. I watched it three times, and I still can't figure out why he's in the game dropping back and throwing the ball. Like, I don't even understand it. Now, after the game, they talked to John Fox. After the game, they talked to John Fox, and they're like, yeah, John, uh, can you take us through why, you know, Mitch is out there throwing the ball? He goes into detail about, you know, it's always dangerous. First off, his voice is wild raspy. Like, he had been screaming. I mean, I guess it's usually always raspy, but this shit was extra raspy. Maybe maybe he was yelling at the offensive coordinator, asking what the fuck he was doing having Mitchell Trubisky in a five-step drop. But hopefully that was the case. But he's the head coach. I highly doubt that. He should know what's going on. So they asked John, yo, what's going on? Like, basically, why is Mitchell dropping back to throw? I, I don't understand. You know, he goes in this this coach's lull about how Trubisky, you know, anytime you strap up the helmet, every time you step on the field, you have an opportunity to, like, it's dangerous out there. You can get hurt. Dog, I'm not trying to hear that at all. I don't want to hear anything about every time you step out on the field, especially when you don't have to step out on the field. And if you do, hand the ball off, period. It's 25 to 0. The game is over. It's the fourth game of the preseason. I don't care if Kevin White comes on 
and starts taking snaps. I don't care if it's third down. Kick a field goal. It's fourth, it's fourth down. Run the field goal unit out. Why don't, we, why don't we run the kicker out that we got from Tampa Bay? I can't even remember his name. That's garbage. And why don't you get him some, an, an extra kick under his belt? How about that? Instead of running our franchise quarterback out to take a five-step drop in a 25 to nothing game against the Cleveland Browns in the fourth preseason game. How about that? I understand it's, a, it's everyone has an opportunity to get injured once they step out on the field. Yeah, I get that, but don't put him in that position. If it's first down, punt it. Run anybody playing quarterback except Mitchell Trubisky, your crown jewel. I don't get it. Enough of that. I had to get that ran off real quick because I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I watched it three times. There's absolutely no reason we should be throwing the ball with 11 seconds left, period. There's no, there's no reason for it. I, I wish he would have came out and said, yeah, I messed that up. I should have just been running the ball. We should have packed up and went home. I have a ton of work to do coming up Saturday because I take my team from 88 players to 53 players, and we can knock that out. So I got a lot of shit to do, so maybe we should wrap this game up. But instead, he wants to drop Trubisky in a five-step drop. Now, this is a sensitive t- subject for me just because of the whole Derrick Rose thing with, with Thibodeau and when he blew his knee out the first time or injured the knee out the first time. He only blew it out once. was against Philly. We were up 16 in the fourth quarter with – Penny's left on the clock, and D. Rose is out there running around. That's the playoffs. It's a very, very different situation, but I still think he shouldn't have been on the floor. But what, do we, what, what can we take from the preseason? Let's get into that. What can we take from the preseason? What can we look forward to going into the regular season? I think a big thing that we could take going into the regular season is it's solidified that we have a solid front seven. Defense looked great. Wait till Trevathan gets back. They're just going to get better. I'm very excited about that. The other things we can take away of for sure, that's the big positive. Front seven, solid. Defense is going to be solid. And, hey, that's kudos to John Fox. That's what he does. He's a defensive guy. He's always got that done. The wide receivers, the core, especially with Cam Meredith going down, that's the low light of the preseason. Our best receiver, he looked good all preseason. I was very excited to see him, and eventually when Trubisky got some tick to see those guys work together, um, he gets hurt, he goes down. That's the biggest blow for us, bar none, coming out of the preseason. It was a bad injury, too. If you haven't seen it, he blew it out pretty good. It was um, nothing nice to see. So Cam Meredith, big blow there, but that – Opens up the doors for guys like Tanner Gentry. That's my boy. Shout out Tanner Gentry. I'm going to give him love every time I can. Uh, Kevin White, Kendall Wright. Hopefully these guys can step up. Um, that opens up another slot on the roster for for one of these young wide receivers to kind of make a splash. So we'll see what happens there. The wide res- the 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 two things that are solidified, the three things or so that are solidified coming out of camp is one, the front self the the front seven is solid. Like I said. Then the offensive line is still suspect, something that needs to get shored up. Um, and that's one of those things that's going to get exposed and exposed early. So we'll be able to get a good look at that, see um, what adjustments we can make. And there's, there's also spots on that line that we could fill and get deeper with this huge cut um, on Saturday. With a, throughout the NFL, something around like 1,200 players are going to get cut on Saturday. It's almost going to be like a new, it's like, it's gonna, like a new NFL draft almost. There's going to be a ton of players to pick from. 
ton of different players from different positions that we can kind of pick off and pick and choose and 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 improve the squad. So that's exciting. That's the one thing to look forward to. Um, the quarterback position is Glennon a starting NFL quarterback? From what I saw this preseason, no. From what I saw when he was in Tampa Bay, a little bit. But I mean, we already know what the deal is. Mike Glennon's here to hang on to the reins for Trubisky to get a few six, seven weeks of just NFL life under his belt. If I had to guess, Trubisky will be playing week six or week seven. I don't see why he wouldn't be. I don't see how Glennon's going to come in and, and, and make an impact, especially with some of these big-time squads we're playing. We play Atlanta the opening week at home. They're going to be trying to make a big-time statement coming off of that Super Bowl. That's going to be very interesting to see how they come out. The spread is seven right now, which seems mighty low to me. I would think it would be ten, ten and a half. But the public always seems to like the Bears at home, regardless of how good or bad our team's supposed to be. So that's an interesting number. So, like, yeah, week one we play Atlanta. Week four, I believe, we're at Green Bay. So – if Glennon struggles like I think he may, week one and week four at Green Bay, as we get to week six, week seven, I think it's Mitchell Trubisky time. That's there's that that's my 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 gut feeling, but we'll see. So we already know what it is. The from what what I saw from Glennon is what, exactly what I expected. He looked horrendous game one of the preseason, but he looked solid game three. I won't lie, he looked like a a, a decent NFL quarterback, and um, but. Man, Trubisky looked good the whole way. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we'll see what happens with the quarterback position, period, on who's on the roster. I think Sanchez may get cut. We may go to camp with – or we may we may start the season with two quarterbacks, just Glennon and Trubisky, Connor Shaw maybe, and just try to, you know, have that flexibility at the position players where we could, you know, send send – we can always go back and go get Mark Sanchez if we wave him and someone gets hurt, we can always go back and pick him up. So there's always flexibility there. There's always um, quarterbacks out in the street, a.k.a. Colin Kaepernick, that you can go pick up and, and bring on the roster and do all types of stuff like that. So we'll see um, what happens there. Next week, next Sunday, Bears are at home at Soldier Field against uh, Julio, Matt Ryan, and the Atlanta Falcons. Make sure you check that out. It's Bears season. Let's get it. Bear down Chicago Bears, 2017 regular season. Let's go. Taking it over to the north side of town where the Chicago Cubs are cruising right now. Have won 11 of 14, took care of business today against the Atlanta Braves, 2-0. John Lackey bounces back after taking the L last week uh, against the Phillies. Um, He gets the W, gives up no earned, seven innings pitch, three hits, five Ks. So it's good to see him bounce back. He, um... He struggled last week. He started the game super well. Then in the fifth, he started getting banged up. So it was good to see him bounce back. And it's good to see the Cubs just stringing these stringing these wins together. Four or five in a row, they'll drop two, then win six, seven in a row. I mean, 11 of 14 is nothing to sneeze at, especially the second half of the season. It's been highly reported that our second half schedule is pretty soft, which is great. Because you know that puts us in a position to, to to keep picking up games against Milwaukee in the division, but I I I also hate that when people say that it's because it's like we, you still got to go out there and take care of business. It's how you beat these guys and how you beat the the lower half teams in the league and the the scrubs per se is is kind of the 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 team you are. If you're beating up, if you're destroying 
the people that are supposed to be destroyed, then we're in good shape. Um, in this run of winning 11 of 14, they've outscored their opponents 97 to 50. So the bats are, the, the bats are alive. And even with these, inju- uh, these injuries to like Contreras, like to Addison Russell, it just shows our depth. Javi picks up the slack. Hap comes in, picks up the slack. All those guys start to hit, and we could, we're deep enough where we could, we could withstand some guys going down. This is, a, this is a great stat I read earlier as well. At the end of the first half of the baseball season, the Cubs' run differential was zero. Goose egg, donut. None, zilch. Run differential, the run differential was zero. Since the All-Star break, it's a plus 90. That's on pace for 331 uh, run differential runs for the whole season. So that kind of shows you the, the switch that we flipped in the second half with guys like Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Rizzo, all those guys just cruising now. So it's good to see the, the boys starting to, starting to pick it up. And you always want to see the, the, the back half of the year squad started to get together. We'll start to pull away in the division. We're going to win the division. I'm not worried about that. Um, I think the big concern going into the playoffs is the pitching. We have to add we, we have to add more more there, I think. Um we were talking about picking up um Verlander from Detroit. He ended up going to Houston. I think that would have been that would have been a sick pickup. We also um another big thing in the news is the uh Arietta contract. He wants 6 or 7 years or some ridiculous shit like that. Listen, I think obviously I don't think you let Arietta walk, but I also don't think you give him 7 years. Anything, this is also the other point, too, that I've been hearing people talk about. I've been talking to my, uh, my buddies about all my Cubs guys is that, yo, give Arietta whatever he wants. It's not our cash. They're over there building hotels and all this. There's Starbucks in the, right next to the field in a, in, a movie, in, a, in a movie theater park lot where people go and watch the game. And there's all this stuff going up where they're going to be bringing in tons and tons of bread. I get that. But Theo's also going to spend that bread smart. He's not going to just throw it anywhere and, and, and do this and do that. So the people that are saying, hey, give Arietta whatever he wants, give him seven years, and then if he's bad the last three, the last two, then who cares? Like, whatever. It's like, ah, I don't know about that. How about you let Theo do his thing and we don't overextend ourselves into sixth year? He's 32 years old, I believe. That would take him into 36, 37, 38 years old. So I have no problem with them giving him five years. I think, he, I think that they might meet in the middle. Five, five seems reasonable. I think four is a more real deal that would be something that we should be looking at, but I don't think he takes four. So if we can get five, maybe, maybe push it to six. Nah, fuck that. I'm going to keep it at five. We should give him five. Because then we start to dip into when Brian will need a new contract and Rizzo will need a new contract. All those guys are going to be big, 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 big dollars. So obviously it would be the best if we could just pay everyone, but that's just not going to be the case. So we'll see what happens there. We went, and we haven't even brought up Schwarber and, then, and, and anybody else. So It'll be interesting to see what we can go, what we what we have going into the playoffs. We kind of got Lester. Lester comes back Saturday. He uh, he got a little he got a little time off. We'll we'll just call it that. Hendricks got his time off, and he'll be he's back and and, and rolling. So hopefully, uh, Joe Madden in August knows what he's doing. 
So I can't remember the number exactly, but he knows what he's doing coming out of the break. He knows how to get his boys some rest. He knows how to, you know, work with the pitch count, do his thing there. So it's nothing really that's this is what Joe Madden does, gears up for the playoffs. There was there was a great article I read um about him doing this and getting those boys ready for Tampa Bay when they went to the World Series. I think in 09. So he's experienced here getting his boys rest and as you can see the boys are ripping it the second half 97 to 50 in this last 11 out of 14 game win stretch on pace for on the second half 90 plus run differential on pace for 331 so he knows what he's doing another thing to to bring up with Addison Russell injured it was reported today that he's going to be out for another three weeks and obviously that's fire for me because I get to see Javi Baez in the hole that short day in and day out which is a treat in itself um that boy is phenomenal in the on on the defensive end at shortstop, and they asked him, well, you know, how do you feel about playing shortstop every day and going forward and all that stuff? And he was like, I feel fine because I was getting plenty of rest. And this is um braided up Javi Baez, by the way. He got the braids dangling out the back of the helmet now, so you better pay attention to what's popping. <laughs> He's got the 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 brown the brown and blonde braids swinging out the back so you already know what time it is they and speaking of that they asked him you know tell us about the braids like why do you have them he's like you know i saw a couple rappers with them and i got long hair so i was like you know and i like it so we gonna rock with it <laughs> it was like the most hobby answer of hobby answers i loved it um but to get back to it he talked about being rested and feeling good because of the rest that he was getting Earlier in the season, he's saying playing every day is nothing for me right now because I got plenty of rest when Addison was playing short and, you know what I'm saying, and we were we were a little deeper than we are right now. But that's the whole point he was saying. He kind of just went into, I feel fresh, I feel good, and I'll be ready to go until Addy gets back for short. So that was something that I loved. Javi, Javi broke it down. Tons of Just tons of positivity going on this second half. Um there's a there's a stat a record that we that we that uh, the Cubs put up five players under 26 with 20 home runs. Five, let me re- let me repeat that five players that are under 26 years of age with 20 home runs with 30 ish games left in the season. It's Hap, Javi, Chris Bryant, Schwarbs, and uh, Wilson Contreras all have 20 plus home runs are all under 26 years old. So that's another reason why we can't just light money on fire with Arietta just because two years ago he won the Cy Young and he's a solid guy now. We have a lot of people we're gonna have to pay. So that's stuff that um that we gotta that we gotta keep in mind going forward. Um Cubs got a set over Labor Day weekend um against the Braves. They're obviously up 1-0. They won today 2-0. Um so we'll see what happens there. I'm excited for this back half of the year. When I walked outside today, it was a little chilly, and um, that means fall's coming, and then that means postseason baseball with football. So this is some of the, the, the most fire times of the year. And then basketball will start up pretty soon. That October-November stretch is the best. Playoff, playoff, uh, playoff baseball, basketball, and hoops, and hockey. So you can't beat it. Um, Cubs win 2-0 today. Have a stretch, uh, have a have a set against the Braves this weekend. If you can get to Wrigley if you're in town, go do that. Check it out. 
Oh, and shout out Wade Davis for steady saving everything. 28 of them things. Let's go. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls because I love to talk about the Chicago Bulls, and they made a little noise yesterday with a trade for Quincy Pondexter. Actually, a good trade. And Cameron Payne is in the news, and I love to bash campaign. So let's talk about that shit. All right, Bulls um, Bulls make a deal with the Pelicans yesterday. They um, they get Bulls get Quincy Pondexter and a second-round pick for the right and cash consideration, big bread. And um, I actually don't know what the bread is, but that was part of the deal. And the Pelicans get the rights to some uh, some foreign guy that I don't know. Um, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Actually, I'll try to say it for you guys. Let's see what it, his name is. Ater Majok? Yeah, I don't know him either. So <laughs> that's what uh, – that's what we had to give up. The The big thing, the reason for the Bulls to make the trade, first off, is they we finally get a second-round pick back because we've been giving up second-round picks for – we just love to give up second-round picks, and that's a shout-out campaign because we give up a second-round pick because campaign was affiliated with the deal. But we'll get into campaign in a second. But it's a good trade for the Bulls. They get Quincy Pondexter, and that gives – and, and the reason – New Orleans kind of wanted to give him up because it's a salary dump for them. They're trying to stay under the luxury tax down there with Boogie, and they're trying to sign Dante Cunningham. So they're just trying to move salary as much as possible so we can take on that salary because the Bulls have so much room. So we can wave him after that, do whatever we want with him, keep him, wave him. But we get that second-round pick. So it's a good move from the from the Bulls. For us to actually be thinking with our brains and say, hey, we could take this salary on for a pick. We basically paid Pondexter's salary for a second round draft pick, which which I don't mind doing. I love I, I I love I love if you know anything about me and been listening to the pod, me and Nick love getting additional picks and getting players and getting looks at players. I want as many young players on the Bulls as possible. So shout out the Bulls for making the right move there. You got to give credit when credit's due. It's a good move for us. Now. Let's jump over to my favorite topic to talk about ever because he sucks and his personality is whack and he thinks he's dope, but he can't hoop campaign. Now, let's get into it. This is via the Chicago Sun-Times. I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was sourced or not, but, and I quote, the Bulls might be moving on from campaign as well. And a source close to the situation explained Thursday why that might be the best for the organization. We knew the second practice after he was acquired that he couldn't play at an NBA level, the source said. The only reason it took two practices was <laughs> the only reason it took two practices was because we thought maybe it was nerves in the first one. Now, if you well, actually let me finish the quote before I go into it. Next quote. Any Bulls coach who says differently is lying. We got guard on that one. The source was referring to general manager Gar, Gar, Gar Foreman, who sent Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott to the Thunder for a package that was supposedly highlighted by campaign. The front office even called campaign the point guard of the future. Campaign played in only 11, 11 regular season games last year. Now, it didn't even it didn't take me two practices to know he couldn't play because I because all you have to do is go turn the tape on of him running around the court in Oklahoma City. What do you mean you need two practices to, to see that he couldn't play? Why don't you turn on some game film, 
that would have told you everything you needed to see. He's trash. His game hasn't gotten better since he's gotten the league. He has absolutely no jump shot. He has no confidence in his jump shot. He has doesn't play. He's just not an NBA player, period. Simple as that. So I don't wish injuries upon anyone. It just came out that uh, he got hurt. So that's kind of when all this stuff came out to the options to release him and, and, and wave him and get him off the squad entirely. Um, I don't like to see him hurt. I ne- would never wish an injury upon anyone. But if it takes him to get hurt for the squad to realize that he probably shouldn't be on the roster, then so be it. So quick little update on um, on the Bulls there. Lori Markin and cooked the other night in France in the FIBA. So that's uh, that was good news. He looked good. Continues to look good. So excited about that guy. And um, yeah, man, we won't we won't jump into the we won't jump into the Bulls too too much because we got football here. But hey, man, had to get y'all some Bulls news when I could. Last but not least, Ohio State, the Big Ten was in action, the best football conference in the country. I don't want to hear it from any SEC folks. The Big Ten is stacked. Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, number two team in the country, Ohio State. Um, Michigan State's going to bounce back this year, so we'll see what happens there. But it was exciting to see Big Ten ball back. Now, the odd thing about yesterday, Ohio State was in Bloomington, Indiana, taking on the Indiana Hoosiers. And first off, I apologize if you're hearing any any saws or anything. They're, they're sawing something outside of outside of my crib. So if you're picking that up, I apologize. Um, there it is right there. But Ohio State, the number two team in the country, is playing on opening Thursday, which is not odd. The odd part is that it's a Big Ten matchup, which I thought was odd. I didn't really I didn't really catch why they're playing so the first game of the season against a Big Ten opponent. It's usually, you know, a non conference type of thing. But I was psyched because the number two team in the country was playing on the Thursday night and I got to get off work and go sit on the couch and have a beer and watch the game. <sighs> the first thing I was excited to see from Ohio State, first off, if you if if you remember, their last game prior to last night was against Clemson and they got throttled, blasted, mashed, whatever you want to call it. I think I don't even remember the score. It's like 45 nothing. I know they didn't score. Um, in the in the college football playoff, Clemson obviously went on then to play Bama and win the national championship. But I was excited to see them come out and play because they got smashed, and this is the first time we'll get to see him, and we'll get to see JT Barrett because that's the key to this whole Ohio State squad is JT Barrett. Now, another thing I noticed, I guess JT Barrett is now JT Barrett the fourth. I guess if you start enough years in a row you just I guess you can become the fourth I guess I don't know (laughs) why he changed he changed that up from last year but now um JT Barrett is rocking the 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 IV after the Barrett on his name so JT Barrett the fourth was somebody that I was really really looking forward to seeing now the history between Ohio State and Indiana of late is that Indiana has been playing these dudes pretty tough so I was looking forward to so the line going into the game, I want to say it started at 21 and a half and closed at 20 or 20 and a half, depending on your book and how your boy gets down, how how his how his book was taking bets, wherever the money was falling. Um so that was the first thing. 
my initial thought was this is a trap. It's an opening game in Indiana. You're away from home to cover a 20, 21 point number. This is something that for all my degenerates like that, stay away from this one. This is tough. So the game starts and (laughs) immediately Ohio state looks super sluggish. Like, like it was the first game of the season. They didn't really know what was going on. And that's about it. Indiana was returning 18 starters. So, I mean, they're familiar. They're not scared of the moment. And that's kind of what it looked like. Indiana came out throwing the ball all over the yard. Legault, second year back, the quarterback from Indiana, wears number 21 for his sister. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 21, A 21 quarterback number is fire. I like it. And anytime I see 21, I think of Deion primetime, so that's also a good thing. Um, they came out throwing the ball all over the yard. Anytime, it was very obvious from the start, if you were running the ball, for, if Indiana was running the ball in Ohio State, they were getting stuffed up, stacked all day. It was There was nothing popping with them running the ball. So they were like, fuck it, we'll just throw this shit all over the yard and let's just try to make plays. And make plays they did. Went down, scored a touchdown. It was 7-3 Indiana to start. couple big-time one-handed catches from Simi Cobbs Jr. He was balling. He had a couple one-hand catches in the first half. He was playing real, real good ball. He looks like one of their weapons. Um, he missed all of la- all of last year with an injury, so it was good to see him back. Uh, obviously, I don't watch a ton of Indiana football, but that's what they were saying, and it was uh, he showed his talent there. He looked good. He's a big, strong guy who's going up with one hand and competing with uh, the top corner on Ohio State. So I look good. Halftime was 14-13. You're like, okay, wow. This is um, – and it wasn't one of those 14-13s where Ohio State was kind of dominating and Ind- Indiana fluked up into some points and it was, you know, uh, like, okay, in the second half, we already know they're going to come out and mash these dudes. Like there at one point, Indiana went down and was driving – they were going to go up 14 to 3 at very minimum they were going to go up 10 to 3 and they threw an interception ball got tipped ohio state gets the ball picks it off and gets the ball back they they had an opportunity to go up 14 3 early in the second quarter so it wasn't one of those 14 13 scores where indiana had lucked up and ohio state was playing great but like there was a couple miscues and that's why it was a score line now indiana was playing ball and they were going toe-to-toe with those boys so it was a good first half and then the second half started and indiana hung in there and hung in there for a little bit in the third quarter but the more you got the more you got to it the more you got deeper in the third the 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 more and more the game went on the talent just took over johnny dixon campbell J.K. Dobbins, this running back, number deuce, real deal. Absolute real deal. His first college game was against a Big Ten opponent. He was absolutely doing his thing. He had 175 uh, rushing yards in the in the game. I think it was he. That was at the time. That was late in the fourth. I think he picked up a couple more. Easily could have had a couple more touchdowns. Kind of did the dirty work to get down there, and then they they'd hand it to someone else. The 175 plus yards is the most since Maurice Corret. And we already know about uh, Maurice Claret. That boy was a monster. So kind of the, the the talent just took over the game and, and, and kind of ran with it. They had a couple big, big plays in the third quarter that kind of blew the game open. But I will say this. Ohio State is playing Oklahoma next week. And I am very interested to see how JT Barrett, the fourth, looks against Oklahoma because 
there was times in the first half, if you look at just his numbers coming out of this game, they're strong. But it was a lot of it was a lot of underneath crossing routes, dump offs. He did have a dropped deep touchdown um, earlier, like in the second half. That 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 was a great throw. wasn't on him at all. But he still worries me if they're gonna if they're gonna try to win the championship. When he sees teams like Oklahoma, we'll see next week. When he sees teams like Alabama or these big, big, big time programs, I'm anxious to see if 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 he's going to be able to hang. They ran a ton uh, with J.K. Dobbins, the the true freshman phenom. It looks like he's going to be. Um, they ran a ton of shotgun veer plays, option type of runs, and J.T. Baird, in my opinion, is not a threat to run even a little bit if you have speed on your defense so those type of plays against a team like oklahoma or a team like alabama they're just not going to work very well like florida state like they, they fly around too much jt barrett's not fast enough so i'm excited to see if he'll be able to throw the ball downfield and not just check down and get a ton of yak i, w- I wish i, w- I should have looked up how many passing yards how much yak he had against his 300 plus yard passing football's back man thank y'all for joining me on the solo mission here this afternoon looking forward to college football man make sure y'all catch alabama florida state on saturday night that's going to be a doozy two top three teams in the country going head to head out in the new uh the new mercedes-benz dome as well out in atlanta so that'll be cool to see the new stadium new uh new bama kids new florida state kids so that'll be a good one check all that out man stay tuned stay locked make sure you subscribe to the podcast tell all your friends to subscribe to the podcast leave a five-star review do all that no catch up chicago for chicago by chicago let's get it